Well, my question for you this morning is, have you ever been stung by words specifically? Oh, I sure have. I've been stunned, and it's kind of seared into my memory, some of those experiences. Now, I can't quote you the exact phrases that I'm getting ready to use. I can't quote you those conversations, but um, my dad did not use these words, all right? I want you to know that. But for some reason, my ears and my heart heard something different than my dad was saying. I can't explain it. So these are not the words my dad used. He never would have used these words with me, I don't believe. But these were the words I heard anyway. So it's something like this. You're not doing it right, Harley. And because you're not doing it right, you're not doing it very well. You're not really good at that. And the way you're doing it's not good enough. That's not right, Harley, so you're not right, Harley. That's not okay, Harley, so you're not okay. Now, those words never came out of my dad's mouth, nor do I believe those were anywhere near my dad's heart. But somehow, as I was growing up, that's how I interpreted them. And they stung, even though he didn't say it like that. And they stuck with me, even though he didn't say that. And those words shaped me then, and in some way, they're still shaping me today. Now, here's one of the so strange things about this, that even though I hated that... I turned around and I found myself doing the very same thing to my kids. I have said some things to my kids, meaning one thing, but somehow my kids have heard something else. They understood something that I had different than what I was really trying to communicate. And I know this, that I have stung them with my words and that those words have stuck and those words have shaped them even to this day because words are powerful you know we i think we all can agree with this that words have the the, the power to create confidence and words have the power to destroy confidence and words have the power to start a lifelong relationship and words have the power to wreck a lifelong relationship. Words have the power to land jobs and words have the power to lose jobs. I think we can all agree that words are powerful. Now we're going to put some things on the screen through this series and in just a moment we're getting ready to put the first thing on the screen. Some of these things won't be up there all that long and sometimes it's hard to take notes in a dark room like this. But one thing we could do to remember that is feel free to use your phone, your phone camera. It doesn't require a flash or anything. You can just hold your camera up there and take a snapshot of this screen, and that way you can take, if you choose, you can take some of these things with you that you can't necessarily see to take a note on in this dark theater. So I'm not saying that's what you should do. I'm just saying that's one way to take some of this stuff with you. And I, I just want you to know this morning, we're saying this, words are powerful. And here's our first thing we want to highlight. Every relationship in your life requires words. And those words can make the relationship work 
or those words can make the relationship wreck because words are powerful. Maybe you've had a coworker who has said something really that cuts you and internally you were just like, oh my word, that is crushing me. And then they followed up with something like this. Oh, I'm just kidding. Can't you take a joke? Maybe you have a supervisor or someone important in your life perhaps and they looked at you and they were just like, what's the point? You don't get it. What's the point of me trying to make you get it or trying to explain this again? You just don't get it. Maybe you have a sibling who said something like, you are so bipolar. Or maybe a, a, a parent and a child, and, and a parent comes to a child and is like, you're just so lazy. Why don't you get up? You're just so lazy. Maybe you have a, a spouse who says, you just don't ever listen to me. Some kind of authority in your life, a coach or something perhaps, that said to you, that's just stupid. Why can't you get it? I'm trying to explain can't you get this? We all know that words are powerful. And those very same words could come out like this. You might have a supervisor that one time came up to you and said, listen, don't give up. I know you can do this. Don't give up. I know you can. Or maybe you walked up to a child and you said something like this to one of your children when they really blew it big time. And you said, listen, I've done that too. And I know how bad this hurts because I've done it. Or maybe you had a spouse and things were really, you were going through a really tough season in your life personally and your spouse came up to you and they said something like this, I'm not going away, don't worry, I'm not going anywhere, I will always be here for you. Or maybe you had a teacher who came to you one time and said, I really love this about you, great job. Every good thing in your relationship has involved words that have been exchanged. And every painful thing in your relationship has involved words and conversations. Now, if this statement is true, then perhaps the one thing that we could, that we could bring the most positive change in our relationships might be related to words. So if there's one thing that I could do for all of my life, for the rest of my life, and do it better related to relationships, maybe it would be this. I would consistently use words on purpose to build and not destroy. Maybe it would be that. If I could do one thing and consistently and say, Harley, I want to do this now for the rest of my life. If only one statement might sink in for this whole series, maybe it would be this. You see, the words that we say, the words that we hear, have the power to shape our lives for our entire life. And they also have the power to do that very same thing in other lives. Every day, with every word, we build up or we destroy. And you know, it's not always a word. It might be just how that word comes out or that phrase comes out or it may be what came before that phrase that sets the context or maybe it's just simply about 
who we are talking to. That words are powerful. Now, in this series, for the next four weeks, we're going to highlight specifically one single verse, a very important verse that's been written by Paul. Now, Paul is a guy that uh, God inspired. He was a God-hater, a Jesus-hater, and he became a jesus follower. It was, a, it was really miraculous. It's a great story. You should read that. It's in, in the New Covenant in the book of Acts, a, a letter, really a book of history, really an Acts. Now God took this guy who used to be a Jesus hater and became a Jesus follower, and God inspired him to write some letters to the, the first century churches, which God intended, and they became part of what we call our New Covenant Scriptures. And the verse that we're going to be looking about is so significant, we're going to be using it in some way every week of this series. Now, when Paul wrote these words, inspired by God, he intended uh, for these <clears throat> to be sent to all the churches, because all the believers in a given town at this time in the first century, they all came together as one church. And Paul intended these letters to be sent from town to town, from church to church, to all of the churches that were in, in meeting in the first century. And that's what happened. He wrote it down, he sent the letter to one, and it, a lot of times it's titled to that church he sent it to, but he intended that letter to be passed around to all the other churches as well. And it did happen that way. So all the believers... Because there was no such thing as a believer who was not part of a church. All the believers who made up the churches, they all got this same message. And here's one verse out of that letter that I want to read to you this morning. It's in Ephesians. It was written to the church meeting in Ephesus. He intended it to go to all of them, and it did. And here's what it says. We've divided it up into chapters and verses. They did not. They just wrote a letter. But we're looking at Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians, and it's in chapter 4, verse 29. And Paul said this, under the direction of God, he said, Don't let any unwholesome, and that word unwholesome can also be literally translated harmful talk. So don't let any unwholesome or harmful talk come out of your mouths, he said. Don't let it happen. Now I think we could probably all agree this morning that we should avoid hurtful words, and we should choose instead helpful words. But if you're anything like me, the problem is we cannot that up, right? We keep messing it up. We want to not say hurtful things. Great, that's good. We want to say instead helpful things. Awesome, fantastic. But wanting to is not enough. Because we want to do it, right? But we don't. So through the course of this series, we're going to do our best. The very same things that Cole and I are trying to learn as well alongside of you. That we're going to need some actual steps that we can take. Some very practical, clear steps that we can take and we can put into practice in order to do this. So that we can begin to live this one verse. Because wanting to, it's just not enough of a step. And that's what the next four weeks is going to be about. 
in dealing with your home, whoever is in your home, in dealing as well with your family, whomever makes up your family, in dealing with uh, every area of your life. It includes the people you work with, the people you socialize with, your friends. This touches every relationship, friendship, family ship in your life, every one of them. And we're going to learn to do our best, Cole and I are going to do our best to help us all, ourselves included in this, to learn to live this one verse with some very practical steps. Just imagine with me for a moment, if at the end of these four weeks, if you would be here every single week of these four weeks, and if at the end of these four weeks you could begin to see some instant beginnings of relief inside of some strained relationships that you might have at work or in your home. If you could begin to see some old wounds that you have starting to heal because some healing words have been involved, some better words, some different words, some purposeful words. And now some of these new words have come into that old wound that you have, and they have begun to bandage that wound that is there and very legitimately and truly there, and it begins to get bandaged. And some more new words come into your life, and they begin to place an ointment, a healing ointment on that wound that is so very real. And new words begin to come in as it heals, wound begins to heal. And yeah, as it heals, I'll be honest, it might still leave a bit of a scar. There might be a bit of a scar that's left, but it would be nothing like what that would have been left had we continued to have words come in and re-abuse that wound and reopen that hurt more and more and more with more and more wrong words. You see, we all know when we got hurt. Because it hurt really bad, didn't it? We can look back and say, yeah, I was hurt. Because it hurt. But we don't always know when the healing took place, if it ever even took place. But what if we could look back, and, and what if we could say that this was the time, February of 2022. This was the time when it all started to get better. This was the time when that relationship that was hurting so badly began to heal right here, right now. Now, at Stuttgart Harvest Church, we've never taken a single verse and tried to break it down in such a practical way that we're going to do in this series to, to give us such precise and detailed steps over the course of this entire series. But that's exactly what we're going to attempt to do in this week and every week of February. If there's one thing that I could do for all my life, for the rest of my life, and if I could do it right, consistently, related to relationships, it would be this. I would consistently use words on purpose to build and not destroy. 
every day, with every word, we build up or we destroy. And this is our approach for the next four weeks. You see, we believe that you have been wired specifically by God and, and influenced by your upbringing to say certain things and to hear certain things. And we're going to do our best to try to figure out what some of those things are. And then we're going to do another thing. We're going to try to figure out what some of those things are for other people in our lives. And then we're going to learn some words that we need to avoid. And we're going to learn some words that we need to add to our communication as we talk with them. And by the time this month is over, we hope to have tools that we need in order to say more of the right kinds of things to the right people in our home, to the right people at work, to the right people in our lives. You see, we think that what we've been doing has been working, but so often, like what happened between my father and I, people often don't hear what the other person is actually trying to say. Because we're wired one way. We're wired a very specific way, probably different than the other person. They're wired a completely different way than we are. And in that process, our wires get crossed. So, let's start off by kind of looking at a simple way to understand how people are wired by God. And we're wired differently. So, first off, right off the bat, here we are. We're going to have to say this. We're all created by God. All created by God. And here's how God kind of gets that started for us. All the way back in that first book, Genesis, which means the beginning. Here's what it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Humans, it is all God's design. Do you know I truly believe that God was well aware that a man's nose would never stop growing? That as he got older, that nose would get bigger and bigger and bigger. His ears too, Miss Cindy, they just don't stop. <laughs> they just keep growing, right? I think God knew that by design. I think he wanted us to have a little something to laugh at as we got older. I don't know. But God created us humans, he designed us humans, and he gave us the first prototypes, which were perfect, Adam and Eve, male and female, prototypes, there and say, okay, but you know what, God didn't stop there, he didn't just throw Adam and Eve out there and say, okay, now, I'm going to sit back and watch what happens, I don't believe that. I believe that God didn't stop that. For every human after Adam and Eve, I still believe this. Call me old-fashioned. I still believe that God draws up the blueprints for every person that came afterwards. And you know why I believe that? I believe this because here's one reason I want to read it to you. The warrior poet king, his name was David, he declares this. 
Psalm 139, 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. And yes, this is poetry. It is. But God inspired David to write this, just like he inspired Paul to write the other verse that we read. It's God-inspired, and I believe God wanted that recorded so that he could help us understand that God is our creator. Not just creator, but God is our designer. And part of this delicate inner part that God knitted together, just, just a mere tiny part of it, that he knitted together for me and he knitted together for you is his design for how each one of us would view the world around us and how we would most naturally interact with the world around us. Another word for that is temperament. I believe God gave us each a temperament. It's God's design for how we view and interact with the world. God's temperament that he placed in our lives, how we view and we interact with everybody and everything around us. Now, here's one thing. If you're anything like me, we can easily get our temperament, our God-given temperament mixed up with this other thing that is environmentally influenced, and we'll just kind of call that, for lack of a better word, a personality. We get these two mixed up, temperament, personality. But our God-designed temperament, from the perspective we're teaching and understanding from this series, it's not the same as personality. And here's part of that difference. You see, our personality is much more influenced by our, it's our current behavior, which is influenced much more by emotions and feelings, which are also much more developed and changed and grown over time and impacted, changed by our side influences. So our personality is really changed by our culture and sometimes our birth order, you know, if we're the oldest or the youngest or the middle. And sometimes our personality is impacted by other things like religion and, and experiences that we have in life. All of those things on the outside that come in and impact us and they kind of force our personalities to change over the course of time. But our God-designed temperament is a little different, I believe. Our temperament is really the why behind our personality. It's, it's our emotional and it's our mental hardwiring that I believe has been designed by and created by God. And it's inserted into our lives, as David described, knitted together, inserted, designed into our innermost being. And I would say uh, it's been described like a, a temperament is a little bit more like an eye color. You can't really change that. You're born with it. Or the voice, your voice and the way you sound. You're kind of born with that. You're, the texture of your hair, that just kind of happens. You're born with that texture. Your fingerprints, those you're just born with, right? Our temperament is very similar to that. It's something that is unchangeable that we're born with. Think of your temperament kind of as your default operating system if you were a computer. 
that is dis- that's installed at the creation of that computer before there have been any downloads added, any attachments added, or any apps that have added that have customized it and changed it. It's before any of those downloads, attachments, and apps. Those downloads, attachments, and apps that happen over the course of time, that's what shapes our personality. But that initial operating system, that's more like your temperament. And from the day you were formed in the womb of the woman whom you call mother, you were given a temperament. Psychologists tell us that they can even begin to see the the temperament uh, being exposed in, in, in children as young as seven months old. They begin to see what has already been placed there, and they see the results of that. And so while our personality is developed over the course of time, you were born with a very specific temperament, which is revealed as you get a little bit older, not really developed. And we're going to use maybe perhaps one of the most simple and easy ways to understand this view of a temperament. There are other ways to look at this, and all the ways to look at this are imperfect. None of them explain this perfectly, but we're just going to do our best to choose one. We've chosen one, and we're going to do our best to summarize what appears to be at least four big, giant, overarching, umbrella-type views of temperament, of temperament. And, and, and we're going to, and, and each, and we're going to try to kind of categorize that into four different types. There may be a million. There probably are. But it seems that most people can fall into at least one of these four groups. And that's why we're going to kind of take this easy-to-understand approach. And we're going to summarize these four large groups. And each one of us in this room, myself included, we are predominantly one of these four types. Now, we have parts of every one of those groups in our lives But we are predominantly, which means we're just a little more one of these than we are the other three, even though we have parts of all four of these as part of our life. Each one of these, I believe, as we look at it, is kind of predisposed, predetermined by God. And he's kind of designed each one of those. If we could look at it in these simple terms, these kind of easy to understand terms, he's given each one of those groups a a certain way that they kind of say things and approach life with communication and a certain way that they have a tendency to hear things. And so when Cole and I say that we believe that God has created our innermost parts We are serious about this, that we believe that God has created us down to the very fine detail, which also even involves our temperament. So one way to understand temperament is like this. Think of it as the first language that you ever knew, and you were born with it. So if you take us and we're born in France, we would have learned that language, right? Think of a temperament as something that you had before you even had words. You had this language of temperament. 
And, it, and it's the first thing you had in there to, to, to receive and to, to emote and, and communicate. And each of these four types of people, this temperament speaks its own language. And you were just kind of born with that, which basically means this, that there is one of those four languages, of the diff different temperament languages, one of those is already, when you were born, built into your life, directly into your life. And when someone engages you in conversation, you speak that language without having to think about it because it's just what you know. You speak that language and you hear from that language. Now, these four temperaments, they've been described at least for 2,500 years in some very broad categories. And so I want to tell you this old name for it, and then we're going to kind of simplify it, make it a little easier, I think, for me to understand. So here are the four, four types. Here's the first one. It's called a sanguine. Well, that word means nothing to us, right? You know, the sanguine type of temperament or language. Now, to make this a little bit more clear for us, you're not going to really hear us refer to them as sanguines. You're going to hear us refer to them as a color, and we're going to give them the color of yellow, all right? Here's another temperament type. It's called a choleric. Again, that doesn't mean really anything to any of us. But here's what 2,500 years ago, and it's still pretty much true today, a cleric speaks the language of power and control. All right? And we're going to refer to them with a color of red. Here's another one, the phlegmatics. Again, that doesn't speak to us. But here's the language that they speak naturally. They speak the language of calm and harmony. And we're going to assign them the color of green. And then the melancholies. They speak the language of perfection and order. And we're going to give them the color of blue. Okay? So for the next four weeks, we hope to understand a little bit more about these inner parts that God have, has placed in there, the inner workings of us related to other people. Now, of these big four categories, I, I want to take a step further. Let's zoom out a little bit from that and, and make two more big categories of people. So all of those four fit into a couple of other categories, and we're going to zoom out. And one of those, see, God has designed some of us to be introverts and some of us to be extroverts. Now, I have misunderstood that phrase pretty much my whole life. So I want to help you understand this phrase better, the way I have come to also understand this phrase better. Because it has everything to do with your God-wired and designed temperament, whatever that is. You are either an extrovert or an introvert. So let's help us understand. So there's introverts. We have been told for introverts that those are people who don't really like to be around other people. And that's really a bad understanding of that term introvert, especially related to what our discussion is of temperaments. That's a bad term. And we've been told that there's these extroverts who are people who love to be around other people. They love to be around other people. And again, that is a bad understanding. So we, in related to this topic of how God has wired your temperament. 
So when we're talking about temperaments, these words are going to be, mean something completely different. So let's wipe the slate clean. For extroverts, here's what that really means. An extrovert, they express their words and their feelings outwardly before they think about them. They express words and feelings outwardly and quickly before they think about them. So words and feelings to do with whether you like people or not. You express words and feelings outwardly quickly. Introverts, on the other hand, express their words and feelings inwardly, inside. They think about those things, those words and those feelings, and they ruminate on them, and it happens inside. Now, right now, you're telling yourself, yeah, 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 that's me. I'm kind of inward. I think about those things, and I think about them inside a lot, and I don't let them out very often. Or you're saying to yourself, yeah, 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 outward. I express my feelings and thoughts and words quickly. And then maybe I go back and think about them. And then I usually have to go back and apologize <laughs> about something. So when we're talking about temperaments, there's two more broad categories. So of those four temperaments, there's two more categories that some of them fall into. So we talked about extrovert, introvert. Here's two more. God made some of us to think about tasks first, doing things first, tasks that need to be accomplished. And God made some of us to think about people first. It's just how we're wired, how he knitted us together in our mother's womb. Some of us think about tasks first, God's design. Some of us think about people first, God's design. Some of us, if we have a choice between accomplishing a task or sitting down and visiting with a person, we're going to go after that task because we want to get it checked off our list and done. But others of us will set that task aside because we would rather sit down and connect with somebody first. Now, right now, you've already decided. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I enjoy getting tasks done. I want to check that off. I enjoy getting to know somebody first. You see? All of that has been designed by God. You came out of your mother's womb with that already intact, inserted into your life as part of your temperament. And we are different. And each one of us speaks mostly one of four temperament languages. Now let's go back to our verse. Paul says, under the direction of God's Spirit, he pens this phrase, do not let any unwholesome or unhelpful talk come out of your mouths. You see, Paul is acknowledging we have an opportunity every day with every single person we encounter. We have the opportunity to hurt them with our words. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Don't let any unwholesome, hurtful talk come out of your mouths. And he says, but only what is helpful 
for building others up. Paul is saying we have an opportunity every single day with every single person that we encounter, we have the opportunity to help them with our words. Every day, every encounter. And by the end of this month, We hope that you will understand, and I hope I will understand better, words that you need to hear from others. I hope I understand that better about myself. And the words that your family and your friends and your co-workers need to hear from you. And by the end of this month, we hope that you will understand that the words that are part of your toolbox that we most often are likely to use as weapons as we talk to people. And by the end of this month, I hope that you will understand and I hope I understand better the words that can most often wound family members and friends and co-workers. And each and every word you speak is a gift. And your wiring, how you've been wired by God, colors your communication. So first, here's what we're going to ask you to do as a next step. We're going to ask you to take a profile survey. That's all it is. It's an imperfect tool to just help you determine where maybe, possibly, your temperament lies within one of those four areas, the, the main one, perhaps. It's just a tool, and it's imperfect. But we're going to ask you to take that temperament survey to find out how has God possibly wired me, because we need you to understand how you're wired, because it's going to be, and how you say things. And so we want to challenge you to take that survey And that survey is located, I told you this morning, as a next step. This is the big next step. And that survey is located online. You can take it online. If you'll go to the online online worship guide at the very bottom, scroll all the way down to the very bottom of that, and you'll see a link to, to go and follow that link, and you can take that online on your phone. And if you don't have a way to do that, if you will holler at Cole this week, um, we will find a way to get something you know, printed for you. But I, I, I believe that 99% of us can do this from our phone. Or you can do it from your computer at home. If you'll just follow that link and you'll take that survey. Again, it's an imperfect tool. It is. It is. But if you'll take that and when you finish it, then... The, the last page after you finish it will give you another link so you can learn how to score that. You just follow that link and it'll tell you how to score that. And you have to put in an email address at the beginning because all your answers go to your email address. And then so as you answer them, it will then, when you finish, when you hit submit, it'll send all those answers to your email address, and then it gives you a piece of paper to teach you how to score that, and then you just follow the directions on that, and you score it. And if you have any trouble at all, get a hold of Cole or myself, and we're going to do our best to help you figure that out, all right? We'll do it. We'll work, we'll work as best we can to help you. 
But that's going to be how you take the survey. That's going to be how you score it. And then here's the last part of that. So take it, score it, and then we ask you, just let us know. Because when you let us know, guess what? We're going to let you know what ours, how ours turned out. And there's no right or wrong here. There are four major groups that we can divide people into according to what we can kind of figure out. And, and each one of us are one of those. And whatever it is for you, that's great. That's just your language, your natural language that you have. And we're going to talk about this on some other weeks and make it make sense. So for the following weeks to make sense, we really want you to do this at the beginning so the rest of the weeks you get more out of it. So that would be my encouragement. Let us know, and we'll let you know what ours are. I'm going to tell you next week what mine is. Cole's going to tell you what his is. Now, I will say this, depending on what you're thinking about when you sit down and you take that survey, it's going to impact how it turns out. The best thing to do when you're thinking about it is think about, what was I like if you're, if you're not yet, uh, if you are past this age, this works for you. What you were like when you were about 20, 21 years old, think about that person. How would that person answer this question at 21 years old? When I was 21 how would I have seen this? That, that's a good way to look at it because we have learned some things and we picked up some things from other temperaments to help us improve ourselves. Dell and I were talking about that this morning. We, that's the course of maturity and growing up and as we grow. So answer this according to kind of how you work so we know what that language was when you were about 21 and that's going to make sense. Now, if you're a teenager right now or you're younger than 21, you, you just answer it for you right now right now, what it is right now. And so depending on what you're thinking of when you take that, it's possible that as you take that survey, it could kind of skew the results. And you might get the answer at the end and you might score it. You might say, well, wait a minute, that's really nothing like me at all. I don't relate to that at all. Or as we go through some of these things next week, you might say, well, wait, maybe that's not what I am. And that's okay for you to feel that way. It is absolutely okay. And it could be that yours is a little bit skewed. But I do think that by the end of next week, and after you talk about, think about what we're going to be doing next week, you'll be able to say, yeah, maybe that was a little skewed. I probably am a little bit more this, and that's okay. This is just a beginning step, a beginning part of the process. It's an imperfect tool. But next week, it will become a little bit more clear for you as we approach what we're going to do next week. And just remember, if you're hurting in any relationship that you have right now, words somehow were a part of that hurt and that wound. And we believe this, that words can be a part of your healing as well. The words we hear and the words we say. And so now, would you join me as we talk to our Heavenly Father? And as we finish this prayer, we're then going to begin to sing about God's words that are absolutely perfect. And His words bring us life and wholeness, and health, and healing. And may we ask God in this prayer to help us develop better words so that we can say, we can avoid what is hurtful and unwholesome, and we can include 
with God's help what is helpful and what will build and bring life to somebody over series. And I hope that you will join us for this process. Let's pray. God, I do believe that you made me and that you made every friend I have in this room this morning and every friend who's listening online. You formed us. All those delicate inner working parts that make me, me, and them, them. That God, as you had recorded, you knit us together in our mother's wombs. And God, I'm so grateful that you had a plan for my life from the very beginning. And so, God, I just pray that over the course of this series that you would help me understand me more so that I can be a better me as I relate to the people I care about in my family. God, I need to be a better me. And to the people I work with, God, I need to be a better me. And God, I need your help to do it. And so will you help us make sense of who we are and how you have wired us and where sometimes, God, I have allowed my wiring to go awry. I ask for your help in the name of Jesus, my Savior, my Messiah. And God, ultimately, may it be your words, your words that lead me and guide me and change me for the rest of my life. In your name I ask these things, Jesus. Amen.